You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. When you're lost and alone and you feel like you need a lift. When the times are tough and your day has gone adrift. You can always press play on Buzz Broadway. Buzz Broadway. So just press play today. Welcome back, Buzz Broadway listeners. It is the Buzz Broadway podcast. My name's Sam St. Jean. My name's Amanda Harrington. And you're watching Disney Channel. <laughs> we should have put that in our high school musical episode. That would have been so funny. So tonight we're talking about a show that I didn't really realize I was going to be as excited to talk about as I am, but I'm really excited. What show are we talking about, Amanda? We're talking about a show that I just couldn't give two flying lot laws no, about. No, really? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. <laughs> we're talking about Annie. Annie, 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 Annie. Yes, this is probably one of the very earliest memories I have of like watching a true movie musical as a kid. This was like, I mean, like, yeah, you can count Grease, you can count Mary Poppins, but like, for some reason, I don't really count Disney movies as like movie musicals. Okay. Even though they are, just because like, I don't know. It's like Disney was like, every, every movie had songs, like... Are you saying like a, a oh like a like a animated movie? Yeah, but even like something like Mary Poppins, like oh everything 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 had a song. Yeah, it was a musical, but like I don't know. I guess I don't really know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't either. Anywho, um, yeah. How are you doing this week? Oh, I wrote this down. Oh, good. Because <laughs> I never know what to say when you ask me how I've been. <laughs> So I wrote it down today. How are you doing? Oh, I wrote down my emotions. <laughs> All I wrote was election. Okay. As of now, we are recording. We don't know who the president's going to be. I hope we do. I think I, we kind of do. We feel but pretty we don't good. Know, we don't know what 45 is going to try to do to make it not that way. But other than that, my life is grand. That's good. That's good. But that's like a pretty big part of my week. How about you? I think it's a, I think like the world stopped. Like the world fully just has stopped right now. Everything's on pause. I'm doing okay. I feel similarly. I'm waking up every two hours at night to check CNN to see what's happened. It just sort of feels like the entire country is on edge. I really hope it gets called tonight, like while we're on our call recording. That'd be pretty great. Anywho, what are you drinking tonight? I'm drinking a fat Negroni. I'm finishing off my bottle of Tanqueray Gin. Yay. 
Um, I batched it. I made a big batch, so it looks like this. And then I'm just pouring it into my cup of ice. Oh, damn. Yeah. What are you drinking? Wine? I'm not drinking wine. Wow. I'm drinking um, Deep Eddie's Grapefruit Vodka and Seltzer. Oh. It is so good. On a health and fitness journey. Fuck you. No, in a good way. Oh, okay. I'm like, it's not bad for you. No, it's not. It's very good for you. That's what I mean. On a health and fitness journey, like the drinking of vodka soda. That's like the lowest cal drink there is. My drink's all sugar. Sorry, I yelled at you. That's okay. Life's all about misunderstanding and then re-understanding, you know? Yeah, there's always tomorrow, you know? Anywho, do you want to tell us There is always tomorrow. Did you know it's only a day away? I did know that. (laughs) You want to know what my favorite quote growing up as a kid was? What? Today is tomorrow you worried about yesterday. I don't know why, but I wrote it everywhere. Say it again. Today is tomorrow we worried about yesterday. Today is the tomorrow we worried about yesterday? Today is tomorrow. Okay. But yes. Okay. Okay, I'll buy it. Anyways. Basically, Annie had it coming. (laughs) And I don't mean a week living in the lap of luxury. Anyways, Annie got her gun. Annie got her gun. Are you ready to kick off this week's episode? Do you have something else you want to say? Sorry. No. Are you going to tell us drinking rules? You bet your ass, baby. Tonight on Buzz Broadway, the drinking rules are simple. Tonight, we are unable to say the words orphan, tomorrow, or maybe. Beyond that, we'll be playing a rousing game of guess that. Orphan! Shut up! Ah, ah, yeah! Woo-hoo. No! Yeah! No whammies! No parents! I only know like three of their names. Oh no, we're not talking about orphans in the show. No, 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 no. We are talking about historical figures throughout what? history who also happen to be orphans. I thought you were talking about like the orphans at the orphanage. No, that's easy. You got Pepper, you got Duffy, you got Molly, you got Pegleg. You got, you got little Susie, little oh Susie two shoes. Oh my god! Oh my god! Okay. No, so we're gonna be we're gonna be guessing. Presence? I'm gonna give you a description of a historical figure or pop culture personality who was an orphan, and you're gonna have to guess who they are. Um. Okay. But let me just give you one to start off with. Okay. 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 Hit I me. think you're gonna get this one. Here we go. This U.S. Secretary of Treasury grew up on a small island called Nevis. He was born an illegitimate son of a Scottish businessman who would walk out on his family and a French Protestant who would die of fever. Alexander Hamilton. Ding, 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 ding. I'm going to take a sip. Great. I'm like, if I get this wrong, I'm going to be so mad. Let's take a shot. Sounds like a great plan. You ready? I'm ready. Three, two, one. With equal measures of pluck and positivity, little orphan Annie oh. charms everyone's up. Oh. Take a sip. Little orphan Annie charms everyone's hearts despite a next to nothing start in 1930s New York City. She is determined to find the parents who abandoned her years ago on the doorstep of a New York City orphanage that is run by the cruel, embittered Miss Hannigan. Mm. With the help of the other girls in the orphanage, Annie escapes to the wondrous world of NYC. 
In adventure after fun-filled adventure, Annie foils Miss Hannigan's evil machinations and even befriends President Franklin Delano Roosevelt. She finds a new home and family in a billionaire Oliver Warbucks, his personal secretary Grace Farrell, and a lovable mutt named Sandy. The beloved book and score features some of the greatest musical theater hits ever written, earning seven Tony Awards including Best Musical, and based on the popular comic strip by Harold Gray, Annie has become a worldwide phenomenon. I wish our listeners, our listeners, I wish our listeners could see you right now because I've never seen you so happy describing the plot of a musical. Wow, she's you just the beaming. best, right? When am I not beaming? I'm always beaming. I'm always in a good mood. Well, you know what they call me? Sammy the Smile. They don't. They don't. They, they, they don't. do now. <laughs> Everyone tag me on Instagram, Sammy the Smile. <laughs> There's a couple people who worked on this show. A mm-hmm. few of them have some pretty great Broadway hits. Who did who did you look into this week? I found some basic info on all three major contributors to the musical. Love to Amy. hear it. So the guy who wrote the music, Charlie Strauss, he was born in New York in 1928. The first musical he ever wrote the music for was Bye Bye Birdie, a bop, normal in 1960, and got his first Tony Award. Iconic. His second Tony Award he got was for a musical called Applause. I don't know. And then his third Tony Award was for Annie in 1977. He's also composed scores for the movies Bonnie and Clyde and the classic All Dogs Go to Heaven. I would assume that's one of your faves, right? Yeah. No. Um, He is a member of the American Theater Hall of Fame and Songwriters Hall of Fame. So he's good. The lyrics and the concept of making this into a musical was by Martin Sharnin. He was also born in New York in 1934. He started out as an actor on Broadway in West Side Story. He created and directed Annie at Goodspeed, which I'm sure you're going to talk about in a little bit. Correct. And he also directed five Annie national tours and three West End productions of the show. Can you imagine? That's a lot of time on one show. He (laughs) died last year from a heart attack. The third is Thomas Meehan, who wrote the book. He was, guess where he was born? New York City. New York. I don't know if it was New York City, but it was New York in 1929. He, his first big success was Annie. He um, collaborated a lot with Mel Brooks. Oh, yes, I he know. He helped write uh, the screenplay for Spaceballs, a classic, and the movie The Producers. And then he also contributed to the books and the following musicals. The following, like I'm giving a presentation. The following musicals. The Producers, Hairspray, Young Frankenstein, Cry Baby, Elf the Musical, and Rocky the Musical. He shares the writing credit also with Sylvester Stallone, in case you were wondering. Sylvester, what would Broadway do without you? (laughs) Thank God you helped write Rocky the Musical. (laughs) Did I say any of the words in that Uh, description? Nope, I don't think you said tomorrow or maybe or Annie. You just said all three, so you can go ahead and take three sips there, sir. I'm going to talk a little bit about how Annie came to be. So we all know that, like, in the, like, early to mid-20th century, Annie, Little, Little Orphan Annie was a comic strip. Take a sip. Thank you. But, and, uh, uh, 
Marty and Charlie were big fans of the comic strip. And one day, Marty went to Charles and he was like, I think that Annie can be a musical. And Charlie was like, I'm not sure. We'll have to think about it. They did some research. They read through old comics. They decided that nothing in the original strips was going to be good enough to turn into a musical. So they decided to take a couple central characters from the story of the strips and turn it into something more substantial. So what they decided on taking was Annie, Daddy Warbucks, and Sandy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because all three writers are from New York City, they decided that they wanted to set Annie in Depression-era NYC to sort of echo what was happening at the time. So in the early 70s, you have the Vietnam War going on. Uh, you have the whole kind of U.S. in like a, yeah. a sort of depression. They decided they wanted to sort of echo that feeling and set Annie in the depression era. And Tommy really wanted, who they brought on to write the book, really wanted Annie to feel like a Dickensian character, like something out of a Charles Dickens novel, something like uh, Oliver Twist mm-hmm. or David Copperfield. They really wanted her to be like this beacon of light in this very dark time and really be the heroine of the story. After about four years of workshopping, they got the show to Goodspeed Musicals in Connecticut. They opened the show with a little girl named Kristen Vigard as Annie, and a little girl in the ensemble playing Pepper, whose name was Andrea McCardle. When the show was being workshopped at Goodspeed, a lot of the critiques of the show were that they didn't believe that Annie would make it in New York because she, like, wasn't tough enough. She was, like, super sweet and really precocious. And as we know, the role of Pepper is sort of the tough, spunky, mm-hmm. older like, one. crass, older orphan. So what actually yeah. happened is we got a little switcheroony, and Andrea McCardle took over the role of Annie with Kristen Bagard as her understudy. And that is the casting that transferred to Broadway. Scandalous. They brought on the iconic Dorothy Loudon to play the role of Miss Hannigan. Wow, she's one of my favorites. She actually replaced Angela Lansbury in Sweeney Todd and played mm. Mrs. Lovett Mrs. for Lovett. a little while after Lansbury, good, old, cool. An- good old Angie, took a break. Everyone has nicknames tonight. I guess so. Who I might? think I'll call you Mandy Sabrine. I think you're fired. <laughs> I'm firing myself. These three worked on the show for so long. They did an out-of-town tryout. They workshopped it. And finally, Annie opens on Broadway on April 21st, 1977 at the Alvin Theater, which is now known as the Neil Simon Theater. Mm. Annie was nominated for 11 Tony Awards and earned seven, including Best Musical, Best Book, and Best Score. Swept all three of the best categories. The show ran for over 2,300 performances before closing. You shut your mouth. <laughs> 200. 2,000. 2,300 performances and closed in January of 1983. Now, this Ooh. is crazy to me. Okay. The show ran for five years on Broadway, and in that time, it launched four national tours. That is crazy. So, like, they opened, they ran for a year, and then for every single year, a different national tour would go out. It also launched... So, during that five-year run, there were four national tours, a West End production, and a UK tour. That's crazy. That's a lot. Subsequently, after that, Annie had two Broadway revivals, several national tours, several more UK productions, two major feature films, a television film, and countless international 
productions. Lest us forget Annie 2 on Broadway. I would never, ever like to talk about Annie 2, <laughs> Miss Hannigan's Revenge. Is that what it is? It's something like that. <laughs> it's something bad. like that. But it makes me really want to do, it makes me want to do bad things. Are we going to do a question before we go to... You bet we are, baby. We're going to do one more before we introduce our special guest for the night. Amanda. Sam. Due to relationship quarrels, this tech giant's parents never married, and his mother chose to place him in an adoption facility in San Francisco. He was adopted by a middle-class American couple who vowed that, that they would put him through college. If only they had known how far his education would take him. Mark Zuckerberg? I'm so sorry, that is incorrect. The correct answer was Steve Jobs. He actually was not one. The other one, my other one was uh, Bill Gates. I knew that you were going to guess Bill Gates. I thought when you said Mark Zuckerberg, I was like, oh, she's going to say Bill Gates and Mark. Amanda, you did a great job on the first question. Not such a great job on the second one, but that's okay. You're going to have a lot more chances to guess that orphan in the second <laughs> half of our episode. Before we get to that second half, I would like to take a moment to introduce a huge friend of the pod. She is a director, choreographer, educator, mother, friend, woman, all-around badass woman. Ladies and gentlemen, giving you the plot of the musical Annie, please welcome Taryn Herman. Um, lights up on an orphanage. There's all these little girls there who don't have moms or dads in the city, and it's like, it's post-depression, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 33. So things aren't good. Her name's Annie, so, and she's singing about wanting a mom and dad and, you know, not being where she is and all of that. It's the middle of the night, and walks Carol Burnett. <laughs> <laughs> No, Miss Hannigan <laughs> comes in, interrupts the whole thing. We get to the second number, waking them up in the middle of the night so that they can clean this dump till it shines like the top of the Chrysler building. There you go. Took the words right out of my mouth. So they're singing and dancing and cleaning in this process. There's a lot of laundry to do. So Annie gets the idea to, again, try to escape you know, this hellhole that she's in. <laughs> so they throw in the laundry bucket, cover her up, Mr. Bundles. He's kind of in on it because yeah. she's done this before. <laughs> so he cozies up to Miss Hannigan as a distraction and they cover Annie up and they wheel her out. So she escapes, doesn't get far from the street she's out on the streets and everything she meets this dog and then the cops come call him call him his name by his name his name <laughs> the dog's name <laughs> so i don't think you need to tell the plot i think you could just do all the i dialogue. could just yeah, do the just whole the movie if you want that's fine so they're like calling her over whatever finally sandy she probably had bacon in her pocket or something, and that's really why he came <laughs> over at that point. And so she gets to take the dog back and 
she goes back to the orphanage, she's like, hide, hide, this is also definitely part of the movie, I don't think it's part of the show. Miss Hannigan, any man she sees, she tries to woo and marry. So while she is like cozying up to the policeman, Sandy sneaks in. And so now Annie's back, she's in big trouble. But luckily, somebody from the suburbs comes along and it's Grace because yeah. um, Mr. Warbucks, the Oliver Warbucks, Oliver Warbucks, the millionaire? No. No, Oliver, Oliver Warbucks, the billionaire. Yeah. Needs to sponsor an orphan for this like PR thing or something that he's doing. So it's a big stunt. It's going to be really good for his image. Your image. This is the press secretary it. for your image. <laughs> Thank you. And buy him a new camera. Yeah. <laughs> Wait! Hold that painting! <laughs> all right, all right. So Grace, okay. what what happens when she tries to when she tries to get Annie? From oh, so she well, she doesn't specifically try to get Annie. It just so happens that Annie has been in trouble and she's nearby. Long story short, Annie is the one that is chosen to go with Grace to be this sponsored orphan for a week, just the week and live with Mr. Warbucks and his image. You know, he's done this like charity thing and it's great and all of that. Miss Hannigan's pissed. So anyway, Annie goes and it's, you know, I used to be in Grant's tomb and now I think I'm gonna like it here. And so yeah. she's there and she gets some new, new threads and she gets to swim in a pool and go to the movies. They're in this new, Presidency. Yeah, presidency and era, and there's a lot of people who are homeless and on the streets, and it sucks. And then this kid, that's why Miss Hannigan, it makes her even more livid, gets to go and live in the lap of luxury for a week. Annie's off with Warbucks. Meanwhile, speaking of hard times, who walks in but Hannigan's brother, Rooster, and his woman of the moment, Lily St. Regis, named after the hotel. They devise this plan. Wait, no, they don't yet because they don't know about it yet. He just comes in for a buck. He needs a buck, he needs some money, and he steals it. Rooster! And then exactly. we cut to NYC. She's like, I never even knew this stuff existed and I've lived here my whole life. <laughs> right. <laughs> Literally. And she's like, are you serious? Like, yeah, and, or if it's the movie, then she goes to the movies and the Rockettes perform for her because Daddy Warbucks is a billionaire and he can, like, afford that happen. Me too. And, okay. They share a really, sweet, to think like, of anything a really else. sweet, like, tender moment. Well, this is when they start to connect. Like, we start to see uh, Warbucks chip away a little bit. He's like, okay, yeah, yeah. And she's like, no, this, I... I have parents and they're out like that's her dream that's why the song maybe at the beginning is like so good because that's all she wants the whole time is to have a real family and real parents and yeah. it's like genuine and so he's like okay well I'm a billionaire I'm gonna help you find that so they put out they go to the radio and put out this big bulletin that's you know hey if we find Annie's parents, you're going to get a lot of money. 
And so, and it's, you know, post-depression, so everybody wants money, and also, even not post-depression, like, I also want money right now, so everybody does, you know. Money is everything, the root of evil. And so, everybody comes to cut back to, also, it never fully drips out a smile happens in that scene, obviously, (laughs) it's really good and super cute because, because kids are great. And people underestimate them all the time, but they can actually do really great things. And that's why they steal the show every time in that number. <laughs> Correct. And who hears, we this, still like who them. hears this radio ad for, uh, for, for finding Annie's parents? Hannigan is drunk on the radio because that's all she listens to. Only, people only listen to the radio. And that was like TV, Netflix, you know, exactly. whatever. Yeah, no. Radio hour and chill. So, yeah, Totally. Okay, so brings Rooster and Lily back. Hey, you guys be the parents. I have the other half of the locket. Here, we got it. We're in. Let's do it. Let's do it. Ralph and Shirley Mudge, they become. Okay, so Lily and Rooster. No, tons of people show up. Everybody shows up. Yeah, I'm Annie's mom. I'm Annie's mom. It's me. It's me. It's me. But only Rooster has the locket. And so the orphans find out too, and they're like, oh my God, wait. Because they get locked in there in the movie, and then they go and they try to find fifth avenue we are only on 998 more to go <laughs> ralph and shirley mudge show up oh we're annie's parents she's like okay i guess this is what i wanted i don't think it really is but i said it did so i have to go now and i'm gonna do that so they go oh no it wasn't the real people and she rips up the check yeah, and she rips it up and stomps on it, and then she runs away, and there's, like, the bridge is going up, so she just decides to climb up the bridge, and Rooster chases her. Anyway, if we're talking about the musical or whatever, of course, they get caught. They're not, it's not Ralph and Shirley Mudge are actually Rooster and Lily St. Regis, not the parents. What? I don't remember how, I don't remember how Miss Hannigan gets away with it. She redeems herself in the movie because she, like, tries to stop Rooster and he knocks her out. Correct. I don't remember in the musical how or if she redeems herself. I don't think she does. I think she gets carted away just like Yeah, she's else. out. So like she doesn't really have a like okay moment or anything. And then it's Christmas. All the orphans of course are invited to Warbucks Mansion for Christmas because they're getting a new deal for Christmas because it's FDR and he's bringing a new deal for Christmas and Annie and lives with Grace and Warbucks and Grace and Warbucks just fall in love I don't know if it's madly because he's a businessman I don't know if that can like really happen and that's it she's not she's not an orphan Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody. Taryn, thank you so, so much for that hysterical plot. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. Um, I'm so happy to be talking about Annie. I know that you and I have bonded about this show before, and that's sort of why you're here tonight is because I know how passionate you are about this story. Um, let's jump into the drinking rules just to catch you up so that you don't catch your, so that we don't have to catch you in any sort of um, quip tonight. Tonight, there are three buzzwords. If you say them, you have to take a sip. Those three buzzwords, are you good, Amanda? Why have we never used buzzwords before? I just thought of it. It's a really good idea. That I thought was of it, fucking like, smart. Today. Oh, you're good. The three buzzwords tonight are orphan, tomorrow, and maybe. Oh. If you say any of those words, you have to take a sip of your drink. Okay. In addition to those three words, we'll also be playing a game of Guess That Orphan. I'm ready. So I will be describing, I'll be giving you little like two to three sentence bios on famous historical or uh, pop culture figures who happen to be orphans and you'll have to guess who they are. It's not multiple choice. It's uh, Amanda's like one and one. She got one right and she got one wrong in the first half of our episode. So I will give you one to start off with before we get into really talking about the show. Uh, Are you ready? Yeah. What are you drinking tonight, Taryn, by the way? Oh, I have a vodka soda with a little splash of juice in there. I wanted a martini, and I thought it should be gin because Miss Hannigan would drink, like, a gin something. But I hate gin, so I couldn't do that. So, oh, well. (laughs) Taryn, everything's so specific with you. It's what I love about your directing, and it's what I love about what you're bringing to this podcast tonight. What will happen, Taryn, is if, for example, you're not able to answer the question when it's your turn, That question will go to Amanda. If she is able to get it correctly, you'll have to take two sips of your drink. If Amanda is also not able to guess the person correctly, you'll both have to take two sips and I will tell you who the correct answer is. Sound good? Yeah. Perfect. Let's get it started. Taryn, guess that orphan. Oh. Oh, you're good. (laughs) Dread and despair is a common theme in this author's work. Perhaps because, by his third birthday, his father had left and his mother died of tuberculosis. Guess that orphan. Is it Edgar Allan Poe? Nice job! So good! Now I'm taking a sip. That was phenomenal. (laughs) Taryn, do you want to take a quick moment and tell us a little bit about what you're currently working on, um, what your career has been like over the last year? Sure. Um, All right. Right now, I um, own a music and dance studio, so, I mean, the last year has been kind of crazy, but we're back in the studio, which is exciting, smaller wow. classes and everything, like, you know, it's not, this, it's not the same, but it is the same, you know, because we're there and we're together and doing what we love to do, so that's great. Um, I haven't really done anything in the last year. I was scheduled to go to, I, I lost three jobs, you know, mm. directing Ugh. and everything through all of this. Um, yeah, in the last few months leading up to the pandemic, you were directing and choreographing a couple shows, right? Last summer, well, uh, two summers ago, and the, the winter, last yeah. winter? Yeah, uh, last winter I did Elf the Musical. That was a lot of fun, directed and choreographed that. And then uh, 
choreographed Bright Star and Drive Your Chaperone last summer. You were so phenomenal. I got to be in both of those shows, and you were so phenomenal at choreographing them. Oh, thank you. It was a blast. So that was the last year, mostly just um, figuring out how to get three- and four-year-olds to dance from through the screen, which I, not to brag, but I got pretty good at it. And uh, Every right to brag. (laughs) And then being very grateful to be back in the studio. So, yeah. So now we're just doing some virtual recitals and making it work. You have to pivot and keep going. So that's what we're doing. I love I'm so happy to be here. I listen to you guys every week. Oh, I know. Ah. We introduced you as huge friend of the pod in the first (laughs) half of the episode. Huge friend. Yeah. Speaking of forces to be reckoned with, so excited to be talking about a spunky little girl. Not going to use the O word. A spunky little girl named Annie. Um... Amanda, why don't you kick us off and tell us about your first time watching the movie Annie? Which 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 movie was it? What was your first experience meeting Annie? You just want to jump right into the controversy, don't you? Don't no, ya? I want I want everyone to be able to present their case, and then we can start talking about um, why we think that the ninety nine version of Annie is the worst. Okay, so my <laughs> name is Amanda, and <laughs> I grew up watching the ninety nine. ABC Wonderful World of Disney movie. And it was just very cute. And it was Disney, so it was, like, much happier than the 82 or whatever. So I grew up with that, and I just watched the 82 one or whatever today. So... For the first time, as in you had never seen it before. For the right? first time. seen it? No. And you were like, oh, now I get it. Mm. What? <laughs> No, I'm leaving. I guess we'll t- I guess we'll talk about it later. I texted Sam at the end and was like, "Why am I watching King Kong? Like she's at the top of the thing, the bridge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. P- planes are flying by. Like, what is this movie? <laughs> so I've never. I don't think I've ever seen it on stage. I've definitely seen like a camp version of it. Sure. Which there's nothing better. <laughs> That 11-year-old screaming at the top of their lungs. Screaming high Fs and Gs at the top yeah. of their range. And, and then we're talking, like, we're talking, like, illegal versions of Annie, right? Like, cheap, like... Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Annie Jr. And I do want to mention the first time I ever auditioned for the Into the Woods. Uh, I really wanted to play Little Red, and my voice teacher told me the best way to get the part would be to sing a song from Annie. Which one? I don't need anything but you. Oh, darn, I was trying to get her to say one of the other ones. <laughs> no. Good choice. Good choice that you that you starting to pit against each other. I find it so interesting that was the first one you saw. Taryn, I know for a fact that the first version of Annie you saw was the 1982 version starring Aileen Quinn and Anne Ranking and Albert Finney and Carol Burnett. So tell me about that. Um. Well, my version of watching it was on a VHS tape that was taped yeah. off of TV. Wow. Um, yeah, so my dad had taped it for me to watch, and I would just watch that on repeat. And then cut to years later, and I'm watching the real VHS at a friend's house, and all of a sudden there's all these new songs in it because they had cut them oh. for time. Oh. So I had, like, a whole, like, 
awakening like oh what like easy street wasn't on the one that How i was that possible oh no um and some other ones so i was like wait what this isn't annie this isn't the right one you know but it was <laughs> because they had commercials and they had to fit it in this two-hour time slot and you know whatever so so that was my first was yes um every day i would watch it every day i'd come home and eat a bologna oh sandwich gosh. and watch annie <laughs> so midwest yep, right yep yep a bologna sandwich after school. <laughs> Love bologna sandwiches, man. That's so interesting that it was filmed off of TV. So I was going to say, yeah, so there were commercials. Like, well, yeah, because like that's what you used watching... to do. Well, my dad was really good. So sometimes he would like, I don't know, you could like do something where you could pause it and not over the commercial record the commercial. And then yeah. so I get like the end of a commercial and then it would go into, oh, that's you know, cool. We were never that advanced in my family when we recorded on VHS. So it was just like a VHS with a label on it that he had put, like, Annie. So I would just watch it. Yeah. Right next to Taryn Baby. Yeah. (laughs) Our whole family, like, archive. Yes. It's actually true. That's what mine was like. Yeah. I don't think we had any... I think we had just missed the, like... Um filming things off of the television thing. I think we had had maybe had a couple things. Like, my dad maybe had some baseball games, like, some Red Sox <laughs> games. I mean, you were probably closer, like, when DVR, like, you could just record it on your TV. Well, I remember, like, my dad would make, like, cassettes. Mm-hmm. Like, he would record the radio or things like that. Why um, is he 100? <laughs> well, they learn from their parents, you know what I mean? Um yes. I also watched Annie on VHS for the first time, but it was the VHS. It wasn't it wasn't a, a recorded VHS. And I had movies that I would I had musical movies that I would watch at my dad's grandparents' house my dad's parents' house, and I had movie musicals that I would watch at my mom's parents' house. So my grandma and gran- my grandma and my Meme and Pepe. They lived like two streets over from each other when I was a kid. And Cute. my grandma had all of the like she had like a big library of musicals. My Meme and Pepe had like Grease and like The Lion King. But then my grandma had like the Mary Martin Peter Pan taped off of television. Oh. Um, she had Mary Poppins. She had The Sound of Music. She had Annie. And I would go over there and she loved mu- movie musicals. And I loved movie musicals from the start. So we would watch the VHS of Annie. And I think I must have seen the Wonderful World of Disney version at some point in my youth, because I don't remember ever watching it in my adolescence and like it being unfamiliar. Mm. So I must have seen it at some point. It came out in 1999, so I would have been six. And I probably saw it like a couple years after, because it would have been syndicated like for years afterwards. Yeah. Well, it's on Disney Plus now if you're missing it. It is on Disney Plus. I don't remember when I saw that one either for the first time, but I was also in Annie when I was younger. So yes. I was What one was that of, like? I mean, it was a blast because it was like the community theater place that was there, but this was, um, they would always do a kid show and then an adult show. Mm-hmm. So this was the mm-hmm. adult show. And then they Which just got had to like kids a as handful well. of kids in it, you know? So it was like, oh, well, I'm in the kids show and the adult show. So, you know. <laughs> Similar, I feel like Amanda and I have similar experiences to that. Yeah. Yeah. Amanda doing shows where they were, right, like acting loft or. Yeah, or even in high school, because we would do 
we would do our high school shows, but then like kids in middle school, we would feature them, and they were also in the summer program. Sure, absolutely. I feel like any time I remember at the camp that Sam and I used to work at, I think they did Annie two times when I worked there, and every time they announced the cat list, the cat list, every time they announced the cast list. They, like, got out of Dodge because every girl would be crying if they did not get Annie. Uh, the worst. I didn't want that, though. Like, I knew from the beginning that I was, like... Were you, in a, like, an unnamed orphan, or were you, like, one of the... A what? The... An unnamed what? Unnamed... Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, you're me. so good! <laughs> Sorry, it's fun. Um, I'll get caught later after I finish this one, then I'll be like... Ooh. Did you play Pepper or Duffy? Or... I did not have a name... Um, but I, my little feature was, I was the little girl in Little Girls. Ah, so, oh. great I, track. Yeah, I got to be hiding under her little thing, and then I would come out and annoy her, so. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. So uh, I think, oh, real quick, one thing I actually wanted to ask you, Taryn, is what has it been like to show, you have two young girls who are similar ages to the girls who would have been in Annie what has it been like to show I, I assume they've seen it at this point right they have they actually we watched it for the first time a couple of years ago and then they got really obsessed which I was mm-hmm. like oh and then they were singing the songs like all around but it was like a two-year-old <laughs> oh. version so it was really cute um and then it oh not too long ago I think probably thinking about this we watched the Disney one too and I don't even think they made the connection. Like, I don't think they knew. That it was the same that thing. That it was the same thing, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But they love it. And that's something we can always, like, put on and they'll watch it. And That's amazing. I love that. Speaking of the movies being two completely different things, I want to get into that right now. We are going to talk through a couple different comparisons head to head. And I'm going to have the two of you kind of duke out in opinions, why you think one or the other is better than the other. And I'll sort of chime in as as I feel like it. Stretch. So we're going to sort of compare and contrast 1999 Annie to 1982 Annie. I like that we, like, this is a show about, we say that it's about Broadway musicals and we're spending the last two episodes talking almost exclusively about films. You're so right. You're so right. And our last episode, we're going to talk about another film. Yes, but that film does have a pretty... I guess, no, you're right. It's We're going to talk more about the film than we do this one. <laughs> Get ready for our Christmas episode, everyone, if you're listening. So, I want to talk about NYC from the 1999 version versus Let's Go to the Movies from the 1982 version. Easy. 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 <laughs> what are you going to say it is, Amanda? Let's Go to the Movies Oh, is us. No, 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 no. Oh, Let oh. me explain. Let's go to the movies is such a hype to go to the movies. And then it's a fucking musical. They're not even at the movies. They're at the movies. They no, go see they're Camille. Not. Okay, but first they go to a musical with like the but fucking rock cats and no, shit. No, it's not a real musical. That's like a fantasy in their head. Yeah. Okay, well that did not get across to me. <laughs> it's Wait, a musical. what'd you say it's like, a fantasy? Yeah, it's like not a real, like it's like, it's like, it's like a little pre-show. Right. Yeah. In right, their right. brain? Wait, no, the Rockettes part? I feel like, unless, did the Rockettes do shows before movies in the 30s? I mean, I don't know for a fact, but I, I think that's But they were like live was. on stage. It wasn't a Because he rented out Radio City Music Hall. So, of course, he's going to be like, bring in the Rockettes. Before oh, I guess you're right. I never movie. thought of it like that. I guess you're right. It's not <laughs> I'm really a billionaire. A fantasy, but they're not there to see the Rockettes. They're there to see the movie. Okay, Camille. well, I was misled. <laughs> and I was annoyed. 
And also, <laughs> in the 1999 movie, when they do NYC, they feature Andrea McArdle as the star to be. So that song, all around, just slaps. Next. Okay, so you prefer slaps definitively is a you good prefer, thing, right? Yes, yes, slaps is a good thing. <laughs> definitively, you prefer NYC to Let's Go to the Movies. Yes. Taryn, your counter. My, and I'm going to preface all of my arguments for the 1982 movie with, that was a big screen movie, so they had to like make things a little more spectacular because I wish that people, and maybe they would more now, but then people were not going to sit in a, thea- a movie theater and like watch a Broadway show, you know, like a, a musical, huh. um, in my opinion. And I agree. Especially like Annie. So I feel like Let's Go to the Movies was kind of like the entract sort of, you know, where it's like, oh, here's this big thing and we can do all of this and oh, we're dancing and it's exciting. Everybody knows the Rockettes. They'll love it, you know. Um, but I also appreciate the 99 movie because it is the musical, like the book musical, and it's all that's what it is, mm-hmm. and everything like that. So, and I love Victor Garber, and I'll listen to him sing anything. So, <laughs> really, right. okay, okay. So, that, I'm actually gonna skip, I'm gonna jump around in my order of things. Let's get right I into that him. then. Let's talk about Victor Garber versus Albert Finney. <sighs> Can't even compare them. I really liked Albert Finney. I didn't, I don't want to harsh my 99 opinions, but. What a blossom in his character, am I right? Mm. Went from heartless to heartful. <laughs> Taryn? Yeah. I mean, I do. I love Victor Garber, and I think he's just right? beautiful, and I love everything he does and him singing and all of that. But I think nobody could ever top Albert Finney's Daddy Warbucks because he didn't, like, try to come off as a singer but like he like acted the hell Mm. out of all those songs and had such a presence that you know i just he's just really great i think that i am on the same board with finney as well victor garber is wonderful he's his voice is gorgeous he's Mm. such a like oh like breath of fresh air it's victor like everybody loves victor garber but i think albert finney had such the great it's sort of like um it's like when you talk about like alphaba like young alphaba versus like act two alphaba you have to make Act One, mm. Daddy Warbucks, like so stern and harsh, and like I don't want to say uh, forty-five, but like he has to kind of be like that. He has to kind of be the Donald in the first half mm. of the musical. What also makes him brilliant is because he's doing all those things that you say, Sam, but you don't write him off. Like you are still interested in him, and you are like, yes. yeah. Okay, but I'm going to stay with you right now. You know, well, from the first moment, it's the moment that he lets Annie stay. It's the moment that he is like, all right, but just for the week, you know, and he kind of looks at her for a second and he's like, all right, sure, whatever, fine. There's something in him that is redeeming that is like, okay, we'll figure it out later. Mm-hmm. Right. Love that. Speaking of Daddy Warbucks, we're going to move to his right hand lady. We're going to oh. talk about Grace Farrell. This is a really, really tough one this for me. This is hard. Yeah. I'm going to just, I'm going to start this one just by saying okay. I think that this is the most drastic change from movie to movie in terms of how they make how they how they change the character. Nuh uh. Miss Hannigan? Think... No, it's um No, Grace no, I'm Farrell. Saying... I know, I'm saying Miss Hannigan's not the most dramatic. They're two completely different people. 
I will talk about it when we get to Miss Hannigan. I'm, I'm going to argue that I think the Grace Farrell change is something so, is something very drastic. Just in, like, in very minor ways. Um, I guess let's just start chatting about it. Anne Ranking versus Audra McDonald. What do we think? This is also really hard to compare because that role is, like, a legit soprano role. Mm-hmm. Mm. And there's no way that Anne Ranking would have been able to <laughs> no, do that. No. So, like what Linda's saying, they did completely. They made her at a dancing role, you know. Yeah. So, like, I love that. Also, she's wow. like, you know, she's amazing and in her prime. Also, when she lets her hair down and like, you know, mm-hmm. so. It's saying that I texted you about this. Yes, I texted you about right. this like earlier last week, like her hair flowing down and when they're getting ready to go she's to the movies. She's gorgeous. But just saying oh God, like how beautiful. well she played that prim and proper thing. And then when she does let it down, then you're like, oh my God. But then like, obviously the the 99 is the musical and they have Audrey McDonald do it. I mean, you know, like it's perfect, like, uh, like cast it. Like they didn't have to change the role at all. Yeah. Audrey just came in and did the role to a T. Yeah. Like she, that's so up her alley is to play a part like this. Yeah. And ranking to me felt so much younger. Sure. And free. I think a lot of time that role is miscast because of that, because of the movie, yeah. they think like, Oh, you need somebody like fun and spunky and all of this. Hmm. And then they come in and like, no, this is like soprano things that this person <laughs> has to sing. You know, and be pretty yeah. about it. And and Audra McDonald makes so much sense because she is so um, mature. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, she is his right-hand man and will get shit done. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Anne Ranking is definitely more naive and like mm-hmm. plays that part, you know, and the age I think difference the casting, and stuff. I think what the casting changed for me, I guess why I'm thinking, well, I guess why in my head I think it makes a big shift. The love story between... Grace and uh, Oliver in the 99 version feels so much more unexpected. It feels so much more spontaneous. Um, I think because Grace's, uh, Audra's Grace is like there to do her job. She's there to like, you know, be, be everywhere at the right time in the right place. And it's like, oh, accidentally we fell in love. And I think there's something else that's a little bit more in Grace in the 82 version that's like, oh, I'm going to change this girl's life. Like, I'm putting all my time and effort into, like, Annie. And I think, like, this is like, oh, this is going to, th- like, be the thing that helps me get through this, like, difficult job. And then she gets kind of swept up in the the loveness of it all. This might be the most challenging one that we have to talk about tonight. Bates coming Chenoweth mm. versus Burnett Curry Peters. And specifically, really want to talk about Burnett versus Bates. I don't think, for me personally, I really don't think the Burnett versus, Burnett versus Bates is going to be a tough choice, but I think the unit of each three of them is going to be a really interesting convo. Taryn, why don't you kick us off? I think I know where your, where your opinions lie. It's hard. I mean, this is all, because there's good things about both versions, so, you know, sure. like, of course I have a favorite um, of movies, or, you know, productions. Oh, if I had to pick a trio better, I mean... Also, could like we mix and match? Why not? Ooh, Let's do it. I'd like to know what you think. Uh, Hannah, I mean Carol Burnett, of course. I love Tim Curry, and I love him with, you know, that whole dynamic, the three of them. But Helen coming, he's like really slimy and perfect, and I don't get that as much until the end with mm-hmm. Tim Curry 
because mm-hmm. of that weird, like, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm going to murder Annie. Yeah, online. right, right. <laughs> He's really going to kill her. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I uh, love that line. So I think putting him into that spot would be really fun. Cause I, and still keeping Bernadette. If you could, like, transport current, like, 99-aged Yes, Alan because I think that Bernadette played the humor um, not so, like, in your face, which made it funnier. Mm. But you think Bernadette. So, yeah, I, I liked yeah. hers I better her. because she she didn't, like, and maybe she was directed that way, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like, look, I'm stupid and funny, like, all the time <laughs> or whatever. Which is something that Kristen does so well is really lay it on thick, yeah, you know? Yeah, right. Amanda. That's such a good point. I don't think you can choose a trio because they're like, they're just all so different. Yeah. Because the Disney one was Disney-fied. You know what I mean? It's just really, for me, it's just too hard to compare them. It's apples and oranges. (laughs) Um, The one thing I do want to talk about is that I do think it's, I love seeing, so Bernadette at this point was like, she had already done a good amount. She hadn't done Sunday in the Park yet. That was coming, I think, pretty yeah. close to this time. But she had mm-hmm. been on Broadway. She had done the Broadway thing. And I love seeing someone who, like, is so clearly a star in a role that is pretty small. Because they're li- like they're living the star quality of it in such small confines. Like, I think the moment that I think of the most is when she's looking at the envelope that has the locket in it. And she's so just, like, not even recognizing that it's there. Because she's like just she's playing like she's just act she's performing the character in the parameters that she was given and it just happens to be funny because she's so natural. Yeah. Um. For me, I understand the I like the, I think the two eat most equally matched are Tim Curry and Alan Cumming. I think they both give like equal weight to the part. I think that I guess you could say the same for Kristen and for Bernadette, but for me, there really is no other Miss Hannigan except Carol Burnett. You could make the argument, so a quick story I want to tell is when I was a kid, my grandparents had lights in their basement that were bulbs that would hang, and they had really long wire strings on them, and I was so obsessed with Miss Hannigan that I would go down there and I would pull the cord, and in that opening scene where the cord swings over Carol Burnett's head and it like gets stuck in her hair, yeah. I would go down there and do that until the oh. cord went the right way. And you'd be like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I say tomato and you say tomato. Taryn, I know that you are a big fan of the 1982 version of Annie, and I know you have some fun trivia that you like to share from that production. Let's get into it. Oh, what do you okay. want to share with the audience? Um, how I feel like this is how we both found out that we like were obsessed with Annie a little yeah, bit. Yeah, you and I. So one is I was reading a Carol Burnett um, like bi- biography or something, and apparently remember when she goes into the closet to mm-hmm. get the locket there's a whole number of easy street they like it was like big budget huge they filmed it they did all of it they're like literally in the street dancing tons of extras a big production number and they went to edit and they're like no this isn't right this isn't working that's not what it should be and she had gone on vacation in like hawaii and got a nose job a chin job. I thought it was nose job. Was it It chin? was a chin job. Are you sure? Which one? Positive. Okay. Carol, Carol Burnett. Burnett. So they had to come back. So she goes into the closet with, I guess, one chin. And she comes out because that's where they re-cut it. Cut the scene. And she had her, like, plastic surgery and stuff. Obviously, like, they did a good job because it's not that <laughs> noticeable. I mean, the surgeon. Um... <laughs> Because they, they did just... do a great job. But if you watch that, I went back and watched that scene after I found out that story. And if you watch, it's like the part where she's like, it's in an envelope, yeah. a sealed envelope. And she comes out of the closet. All of their makeup seems like a little bit softer, a little bit like more glamorous and like a little bit different uh, for all three of them, Tim and Bernadette and, and Carol. So if you are a fan of Annie, go back and watch that scene. Yeah. And when she says that line, pay attention to Carol Burnett's chin. I'm literally writing it down so I don't yeah. forget. <laughs> uh, I would like to take us into our next category, one of my favorite segments called oh, What's Your Favorite Part? <sighs> um, just to get myself out of the way, I'm going to go first because I also am long-winded, so I'm going to try to battle through mine so I don't take too much time up. I broke mine down between original Broadway cast, 1982 version, 1999 version. Okay, so you have like 16? Uh, nope, I'm going to start with 1999. My first favorite part is the Andrea McCardle cameo as the star to be breaking through. She comes out. She hits the high notes. She does a great job. It's a great little Disney-fied Easter egg. NYC. You stole one of my two, just so you know. I'm so sorry, Amanda. My next favorite part is the NYC number. I just think it's brilliant. Uh, Brilliantly done in the 1989 version. Finally, from the 1999 is Audrey McDonald. Perfectly cast. Perfectly sang. She's just, this was like peak, like peak Audra, right? As she was yeah. like do, getting like, I mean, Audra never, never is not peak Audra. She's always peak Audra. But this was like right off of her Tony win for Ragtime. She was yeah. just doing, she was doing hot. Next up, original Broadway cast. First favorite part, everything Dorothy Loudon touches. She's hysterical. So funny. Next up in the OBC is the one solo line from We'd Like to Thank You, Herbert Hoover, where the one female ensemble member steps forward and in the pingiest, clearest, best tone of voice sings, uh, Today I'm stealing coal for fire, who knew I could steal? This solo joins the ranks of And in a Bed uh, from Les Mis. It joins the ranks of... uh, uh, like some terrible green blizzard throughout the land, she flies from Wicked. Yep. She joins the ranks of one line And soloists. in a bed. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> and in a bed. And in a bed. <laughs> Whistle tones. All right. From the 1982 version, here we go. Carol Burnett everything. Specifically, when Albert Finney shows up at the orphanage and says, oh. I want to adopt Annie. And she says, 
could you give me a moment, please? Yeah. And she gets behind the door and she <laughs> shuts it and she lets out the most ugly blood curdling scream ever. Followed only by every time she crashes into a wall. <laughs> followed only by when she shuts, slams the closet door on Annie and goes to sit down in the chair with Grace and she hits the floor. <laughs> and she pops back up and goes, how old? <laughs> yes. Easy Street, you know, uh, 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 like I said, every time Carol, every time Carol walks into a wall, sign, which I know Taryn is such a huge fan of, yes. sign should be included in every single version of this yes, show. Yes, why is isn't it? Comedically hilarious. It's so well written. It really should be in every production. And finally, we've got Annie. I want to take a brief moment and say that we haven't touched on this yet, but the racial stereotypes that are portrayed in the 1982 version are, of course, wildly inappropriate, and I want to condemn them any chance I get. The stereotype of Punjab, the stereotype of the Asp are very inappropriate, but from a choreography standpoint, for the first two-thirds of the number before we get to the last third are so phenomenal. That that male dancer, I think it's the gardener. Yep. Who yeah, lifts up. Grace. Yeah. Who lifts Grace through the the hall? She keeps doing that lift after lift after lift, and then she's Shane, 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 Shane in that yellow dress. Yeah. Oh wow! I'm it just gets me. Yes, it gets me so amped up. And his overalls. Ugh. I think that's how I knew I was gay. <laughs> it's from seeing the gardener. It's for the him. First time. That's it. You've. That's him. It might be. He was one of the first. Like, wow, he's great. I love when he's saying. That's how you made uh, the choice that you were gay. Is that what you're telling? That's how I made the choice I was gay. Yeah, (laughs) when I saw him. Yeah, I love in. I love in. Um, I think I'm gonna like it here when he's. She comes out of the balcony and he's down there and he's like, I got something for you, and he climbs up. I like get choked up thinking about it because he like so the music builds. He's like a spider. Uh, All right. Okay. I've talked for too long. I want to let you two get to your favorite parts. We're gonna go Amanda and then Taryn. Amanda, I know I I took one of your favorites. Yeah, so I only have one other. Okay, um, what are your others? That is the choreography in the 1982 It's a Hard Knock Life. I think... Oh, with all the buckets yeah. and the... Oh, yes. it was just wild, because the one in 99 is very simple. They're just cleaning. Yes. So when I watched this 82 version, I was like, they're doing constant flips. But they, like, There's... they legit hired just acrobats to, like... You can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Like, they're like, okay, while you guys clean, they're going to be doing flips over and over on the bed. That one girl who's spinning on the fire escape? Yes. She's, like, hanging from that rag that's There's just also, like, a hundred more girls than there are in <laughs> the orphanage in 99. The 99 yeah. orphanage is, like, maybe seven. It's, like, a dilapidated, yeah. like, like, and there's suddenly, like, 2,000 orphans in the right. in the 30s. Oh, uh, yeah. So that's it. Taryn, up to you. My favorite, I had to write them down. One is the oh we see the soundtrack and the orchestrations oh and if we want to keep bringing up herbert hoover that's a good it has like tuba and banjo and like uh, but it tells the story like it i feel like and sam we've talked about this before when they know how to use the right instrumentation and things to like help you feel like you're there i don't know it's just all and it's like a voice you know a a voice in the thing so if you like really pay attention and listen there's all these i think specific like like yeah instruments and things that they use and it's like oh yeah that's exactly right that feels you're my favorite choreographer i've just decided (laughs) what is you're my favorite choreographer i've never seen your stuff but you're already my favorite because you clearly uh, listen to the instrumentation. The, the soundtrack and the orchestrations in it. And like bassoon, I think anything that's like heavy woodwind is always mm. really good. Um, so yes. that's one part that's just, I think, really charming. And you really only hear it in the original Broadway um, soundtrack. Correct. 
also we got Annie, obviously. I mean, she's just so gorgeous, and Ugh. her movement is just so silky and smooth and lovely and everything. Okay, I'm going to have to drink after this because I have to say the name. And this is also how big of a nerd I am. I think it was around the time um, that the girls first started watching this, and so I was, like, re-watching it. And I put on Facebook, I was like, maybe something is not... It was some, I can't remember my real Facebook post, I'm sorry. Um, but I was just saying, like, maybe is the best musical theater song ever, Fight Me, you know? And it, like, got a ton of comments on it. And I, this was years ago, and I saved it. And I don't know if this is her quote, but I think it's perfect, so I have to read it. So this is not mine. So she said, Annie, the stage musical is so beautifully crafted and hits all the right notes and colors. Nearly a perfect family musical. What I love about the song, maybe, excuse me, yes, they committed, <laughs> is that it's positioned in the classic I Want song place in the show, but it is intrinsically different. Where most I Want songs are empowering in their hopefulness, think of Ariel or Belle or OMG, the glorious Moana, those songs have the singer active in the fantasy of the expressed desire. Annie, in contrast, remains an observer of others' actions in her fantasy what the mother and father are doing in their care of each other, and her hope of how they might treat her if she were with them. It remains achingly wistful, and her profound loneliness is echoed by the other girls at the end. They're all pretty fatalistic, and it's so, so poignant and sad. Beautiful. The films have never done the original justice. That sounds like a review out of New York Times. <laughs> I don't, I, again, I don't know if it's her words, but... It was her words on my, you know, Facebook. Right. (laughs) I love that. Before we get to our last two awards categories, we're going to play one more round of Guess That (sighs) Orphan. This question is for Taryn. Okay. She never knew her father, and her mother suffered from notorious psychiatric complications, which saw her committed to a mental institution. After persevering through a string of orphanages and foster homes, she would soon be discovered as a natural in front of the camera while working in a wartime World War II factory. I don't even think I could take a guess. I don't know. Amanda, do you have any guesses? My original guess was Helen Keller, but I know it's definitely not her. <laughs> I thought you were going in a direction of like she eventually found love and someone who could help her. <sighs> so I don't know. As a, pro- a movie star, it's a two movie sips, star. Two That's sips from each of you. First known as Norma. This is this Marilyn orphan Monroe? is Marilyn Monroe. Oh my gosh, she's an orphan. She was an orphan. Amanda, who wins your Edwina Spoon Apple Acting Award for excellence? Can I go last? Uh, sure. Okay. Taryn. We already kind of talked about it, but Albert Finney. He was just... Yeah, great choice. Great choice. But I was talking before, like he doesn't need to sing. But, and he does sing, but it's not like, like Victor Garber singing or something, you know, but he still gets it across and just his, like I said, his presence and his whole arc through the whole thing that you kind of talked about, Sam. And also Mm -hmm. he's just like a brilliant actor. He's a genius. You know, Mm -hmm. Annie aside. (laughs) Truly. Um, mine, I've already given her one Adrena Spoonapple acting award, but she's going to get a second. It's Carol Burnett. I also have to give it to Carol Burnett. Um, Great choice. It was just like a shock to me to watch that movie because I've only seen Kathy Bates do it and it's so much more calm. 
I know. I really, I think Kathy it's... Bates is such a genius, but she was just so miscast in this part. She was probably also like purposely trying not to be like Carol Burnett. Carol. I wonder if they were like, try to actively be not like, yeah. she's like okay, I'll just play well, it real. Yeah. And she, it was a Disney movie. That like, too. She they couldn't were like, really be an let's alcoholic. Let's not make her a crazy alcoholic. Yeah. yeah. My God, is that thing real? <laughs> she's she's a drunk. <laughs> you Annie, you don't want Annie. <laughs> Why? Um, she's she's a drunk. She's a drunk. <laughs> All right, our final category of the night: the Climb Every Mountain Award. I'm gonna go first, just to give you an example. Mine has to go to Charles Strauss. He wrote the music for Bye Bye Birdie. It's a great musical, but he really hit it home when he wrote Annie. Mm-hmm. I I mean, Andrea McArdle. That is another fantastic choice. I know she's done a lot of things since then, and she's, you know, done regional things and this and that, but, like, she was a, she was it. She won. She will forever be known as Annie. Hundreds and thousands of girls, and yeah. yes, and she is Annie for the rest of her life. So mine goes to Aileen Quinn. Another great choice. I, and I know it sounds very surprising because, you know, I'm a big fan of the 99, but the 99 Annie, I don't even know her name, was way too meek. Like, mm-hmm. I texted Sam when I watched the 82 one and was like, oh, oh, she's a badass. I didn't she realize can, like, Annie was a badass. She can, like, make it on the streets of New York in the 30s. She's, like, punching boys in the alley. <laughs> She is aspiring to be an FBI agent, just like <laughs> I am. And I just I love her. when after she beats him up and she turns to everybody else, she goes, anybody else? I feel like the 82 <laughs> one makes you feel more like you're in that time, too. 100%. You know? Yeah. It's grungier, it's dirtier, you have all the immigrants, like, yelling. Yeah. And even the Annie themselves, like, the one in the 99 was very clean. Yeah. Taryn, it has been an absolute treat to have you on this episode. <laughs> Same. Of... Annie of uh, Buzz Broadway and not of, of Annie, Annie of Buzz Broadway. <laughs> I would like to tell everyone that if I ever got to direct a production of this, I would beg Taryn to choreograph it and also beg her to play Grace Farrell. Grace? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, not Grace Farrell. I would beg her to play uh, Lily St. Regis. Okay. I think she'd like, be hysterical. I think Taryn. I'm way so too old to play Lily. As Lily by the St. way, Regis. can I music direct? Amanda Harrington will be music directing the production. What a fucking creative team we got here. Um, Taryn, if anybody wants to know more about where you, uh, where they can take classes with you or where they can follow you, how would they find you? I mean, it's Musical Arts. Um, we're in Exeter, New Hampshire. So, yeah, musicalarts.org. And, yeah, um, come take some dance or piano or voice or whatever you want to do of all ages. You're never too young to start, for sure. I have a 74-year-old tapper. And yes! she keeps me on my toes. So, yeah. Great, Taryn. Thank you so much again for being here. Thank you for uh, being on this episode of Buzz Broadway. We're so happy to have you. Um, and have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time. See you next week. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. For more information on how to support our podcast, visit bpn.fm slash buzzbroadway or on Instagram at buzzbroadwaypodcast. Buzz Broadway is conceived and hosted by Amanda Harrington and Sam St. Jean with editing by Amanda Harrington. Original music by Carl Pariso with arrangements by Patrick Doro. This is a Broadway Podcast Network production. As always, thank you to our sponsors, to BPN, and to our listeners. See you next time. Buzz Broadway! Buzz Broadway.
West Broadway. So just press play today. It feels like it. Somebody's coming in. Sorry. Oh my We've gosh. got a, ladies and gentlemen, it is a Buzz Broadway first. We have a live lost tooth on the air. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.